Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunland Preview Podcast. It's been six days or so since we last spoke and I'm sad to report that Sunland have gone from definitely winning the league to being in a massive crisis, such as pressure at the alleged top. Um, as we look to bounce back from two poor results, we do travel to Gillingham, who we haven't had a result from in quite a while on Saturday. And I've got a big Gillingham fan, Eddie, with me to discuss our weekend opponents and give us the full lowdown. But before we go into Gillingham this season, how are you, Eddie? Are you all right? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. It's, it's, um, well, it's odd because it feels like a ghost season. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I, I, it feels like it's not really happening because we're there, not there. I mean, I go to every game home and away. So in one sense, it's breaking my heart a bit. But that's the same for everybody. That's the one thing, isn't it? I suppose like we're all in it together, but I've got to be honest, and I think I spoke about it last night. I think if I was at the game yesterday, which obviously some fans listening will know will be 2-2 against Rochdale, I would have probably been going off it. And when Rochdale got the second, I kind of just went, oh, and it kind of annoyed yeah. me that I was like that. No, that that, that happened at one of our games because um, um, we get the home games um, as part of our season ticket. But for our away games, um, I'm not paying a tenner to watch um, the football we're producing at the moment. I really am not. It's turgid and dreadful. And uh, so I've been watching non-league football. I'm going to non-league football at like a lower level, like Canterbury yeah. City, my hometown. And um, there, were, there was a whole group of Gillingham fans watching the Canterbury game and we conceded. They all came up on our phones and everyone went, like, went Ugh. but we shrugged it off because we weren't there. None of our mates are there. It's... It sort of only feels half real. I don't know who it was that said it, but I think the, the correct term of phrase is football without fans is shite. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know who coined that phrase. <laughs> it, it's certainly very different. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, watch match of the day because I got I follow fantasy football and all that. But yeah, same. Uh, that sort of thing. But it, it's just it's it's not the same at all. Um, so it's really weird because having basically worked my life around watching getting to Gillingham games for the last 40 years to not be able to go and then none of my friends are there you know it's it's not like you're really in hospital and getting text messages from your mates going oh we've just been to this pub and then oh someone's fallen over and oh we scored this goal when it's all limbs it's everyone's just sort of like looking at their phones or if they're watching it at home going oh this is tedious I mean, yeah. with no crowd. I mean, the quality of the football match of the day can be quite technically good and you can appreciate maybe some quality. At our level, the way we're playing at the moment, it is um, stodgy and old-fashioned and long ball and it's unattractive to watch. So the only thing going for it is if you get a result. And if you're not getting a result, which at the moment, our last four games, we've lost a scored a goal and hardly had a shot on target uh, people are, are getting you know fed up it sounds funny enough without the, the actual results call line because we've won a couple of them in the past few weeks um it sounds pretty similar to something than to Phil Parkinson to be honest um as I sort of alluded to in the intro we've had a poor couple of days and and something sometimes and I don't know if it's just the size of the club that we are and the level that we're at sometimes can go from we're winning the league and we're never losing a game we're getting 200 points to that's it we're probably not going to even make the playoffs with the worst side in the league but we've actually lost and drew, and it's the first game we've lost all season against a good Portsmouth side. And Rochdale were, I think Rochdale are rubbish, but they were quite good last night, or we were quite rubbish, one or the other. But Gillingham, it's it's been even worse, really. I mean, 
No shame in the 1-0 defeat against Ipswich, fair enough. Um, but losing to MK Dons the game beforehand, you would hope maybe for at least a goal. So what have you made of the last couple of games? Well, well the, the MK Dons game, the way they were bottom at the time, they're a bit of a bogey side for us, but apparently we were... I didn't see the game because it was, you know... Yeah. Um, I was watching non-league, but everyone who watched it said it was appalling. I mean, we, we hardly had a shot and... And never really troubled them. And then I did watch the Portsmouth hang game, which was the next one. And we were 2-0 down after 20 minutes and it was game over. We never looked like getting back into it. Then at Fleetwood, it sounded like one of those days. Joey bought and upsetting everyone. And it's just one of those when it wouldn't fall for us rather than being terrible. Uh, and then Ipswich, it sounded like a pretty brave performance. The best for about, three, you know, since probably a, a, a four or five weeks. But... We still, we only hit the post in the last minute, but in prior to that, we'd not really had many chances. So um, you can point to a, a bit of unluck, a bit of a couple of dodgy refs, but everyone has that. But the big picture is we've, we haven't got a very good team um, in terms of creating chances and keeping the ball. And it's, you see, it's, it's a weird one for me with Gillingham because obviously I, I speak to to Matt from obviously um, I, I will say Gills in the blood, but I'll say it's Gills in the blood. Um, <laughs> I, I always get that wrong. I don't know why. Um, probably just trying to say the word Jill in my head with a G because my next door neighbour was called Jill when I was young. Um, but for me, I, I thought you would really struggle last year because obviously of the players that left, um, Eves and then. Obviously, you had the goalkeeper Holy, but you actually ended up doing really, really well. And, and games against us in particular, and you look like a side that could create, you look like a side that had goals in you. And I was especially impressed with with Brandon Hanlon last year when he played against us anyway. And obviously, he's he's disappeared and gone to Bristol Rovers as a replacement for yeah. um, Clark Harris. But then you brought in two centre-forwards in Dominic Samuel and John Akinde, who at this level should keep your heads above water, potentially outside the playoffs. So so where's the problem coming in with the goal scoring? Is it more the creativity? Um, it's a mixture. I mean, we got a kindy during last season and yeah. um, he 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 got off to a slow start and then got worse. And this season, mm. he, he hasn't really fired at all. He hasn't looked like... I mean, he has looked like scoring as he's contrived to hit the woodwork and the goalie when he should have scored a couple of times. But he looks a bit disinterested or disheartened or not really up for it. So he's a bit of a dead loss at the moment. And the fans are starting to... I mean, if they were at the games, they'd be getting on his back. Um, Samuel scored two on his debut. Mm -hmm. And he's little flashes of this and the the other. But um, he's he's not really shown much either recently. So after a better start than Kindy, he's um, he's, um, flattering to deceive too. Um, but I think one of the things is the midfield creativity. They're not getting many chances. I mean, quite often in our games, we've got the ball 29-30% of the time. So the other team has the ball. <laughs> yeah. And last season, um, we, we made ourselves hard to beat and we would hit teams on the break and everything. And we had pace in our handling and our handling would stretch the game like he did against you. Now, quite often his shots would end up in the crowd or hitting the corner flag, but he he stretched the game and opened it up for other players. And we haven't got anyone with that pace doing that this season. So I think that's made the game stodgier and uh, harder to break into. Um, But I'm not sure what's happened, but I think 
again, we've had a huge turnover of new players because we just operate on loans and free transfers all the time. Yeah. And um, so every season at the moment under Scally's leadership, you know, we have almost to start again. And this crop of loans and young players hasn't gelled as quickly as last season. We got off to a bit of a slow start last season, but then got better and better. But this time we we don't, don't seem to be improving. Um, it's a small squad and there's been a couple of injuries to key players as well. But it's it's more the style of football. If you ask a Gillingham fan, how do you play? And you go, I don't know. You know, we haven't got yeah. an identity. Last season, we developed an identity by November. This top season, and you'd go, I don't know, seriously, except we haven't got the ball. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think Hanlon was, you're right in what you're saying, and I can only go on the three games that we played, and I think Hanlon probably played slightly better than he normally would in the games against us last year. I think he particularly shone for some reason. But, I mean, last he, year... He shone against you in all four games. I don't know what it was. Yeah. He's, he's ran, he ran at your defence and they didn't like it. But, he, uh, you know, he wasn't always like that. He could be a, a blind alley player half the time. So, I, I think you probably think he's better than he normally is. Do you see what I mean? We do, yeah. I, I must be honest. It, it, he played quite well against us on the opening day of the season for Bristol Rovers, if, I, if I'm correct. But he opened up a lot of space, I remember. And the game, the last actual game I was at was Sunderland Gillingham, which was obviously, well, yeah, last Sunderland game. Fans, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 96-minute winner. What uh, Equaliser even got a decent way for you to, to, to end off what has seemed to be the apocalypse of football at the moment. But yeah. he opened up a lot of space for, for Mandarin last year. And I was quite surprised when Mandarin went as well. Um, but he's not the only player you've lost. You, you know, for me, the big one that you've lost is, is probably Max Aimer. Um Yeah, I mean, he's not the best defender, but what, one who he was, wasn't it? But he seemed to be quite a good leader and yes. organizer. So I think technically not the best defender, but we haven't got the same sort of leadership at the back at the moment. So we've let in some soft goals. I mean, we do anyway, but we we've been a bit more prone to it. Um, at the moment. So uh, I think people are realising what he gave to the team now he's not there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at the, the obviously the players that he did brought in. Like you said before, it's a, it's a huge turnover in players. It's not just one or uh, two here or there. I mean, in, in one sense, you know, quite a lot of people obviously haven't seen half the team play live. And so yeah. it's a bit hard to make a judgment, do you know? I mean, like, and if you're watching it on a little video screen and you, or, you know, telly screen, you're going, oh, is that, you know, you don't really get the same feel for it, as in, is that person, you know, putting in the effort in it, how how good are they really? Um, especially when there's no atmosphere and it's just like a ghost game. Uh, so, I mean, you know, Akindi's struggling. Graham sparkled in two or three games and we thought, here we go. We've, we've, we've got lucky here. And people still quite like him. But the rest, are, I'd say, have been underwhelming. Um, not terrible, terrible, just underwhelming. So Yeah. And I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking through the start 11 that you played yesterday. And, you know, we've been here, it's now our third season. I think we're going to be stuck here forever. But um, when it comes to... The side itself, there's, there's certain players from each team, and you start to recognise shapes and teams. And I'm looking through Gillingham's team, and you know, outside of Akinde Samuel, I'm looking at you've got obviously Jack Bonham and, and Tucker and uh, yeah. Graham, but the midfield is now Dempsey, McKenzie, McDonald. You've got defenders Jackson, Magoma, Medley. It's it's a vastly all, changed side, isn't it? They're all interchangeable mediocrities. <clears throat> so 
Um, you know, and, and some player, fans are complaining that players are being played out of position and you could tweak it maybe. And there's a couple of things. Why is that left-sided player on the right? Blah, blah, blah. But I, I, they do just strike me as they're, they're not terrible, but they're mediocre and they're lacking a bit of confidence. Um, so, you know, they are freebies and loans, you know. <laughs> so uh, sometimes you strike gold with those, but sometimes you get, you know, they are, there's a reason why they're a freebie or a loan. <laughs> And I think, sometimes, unfortunately for Sunderland, we've uh, we've sometimes fallen in that trap a bit as well. I think people think Sunderland spend money. We don't. Um, not since we were Greg anyway. So maybe that he was his fingers were burnt with that. But is there any players that are particularly shining at the moment, despite the fact you've had you know relatively poor form? Well, I mean, Graham had a really purple patch for three or four games. Good player. He's he's gone a bit quiet now, but that's maybe lack of service. I mean, the big hope to go on to bigger and better things is Jack Tucker at the back, but he has been a bit in and out of the team, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that was tactical or injury or he'd had, you know, whatever. We don't know what why, but most Jules fans would like him starting. And Jack Bonham is a class act, you know, as a, as a League One keeper, he's, he's very decent. But after that, yeah, I mean, like we got Jackson back from Colchester as a fullback, and we we were glad when he left the first time, you know. I mean, <laughs> got, got a long throw, but I mean, yeah. And <laughs> so, um, I mean, this this is, you know, this alludes to the fact we're skint, really, and uh, we are, you know, it. We 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 really, you know, are having to rebuild each season on a on a probably one of the smallest budgets in the division. So we did very well to come mid-table last season. As you said, when we lost Eves and Holy, I was predicting, you know, relegation scrap. Same. Um, and so we were very, very pleased to be mid-table. And, and I mean, we drew a lot of games, but, you know, we didn't lose many. Um, now, the dilemma for Gillingham fans, some, we were a bit split over Evans because he's obviously Marmite. Yeah. Um, his, the, his predecessor with Steve Lovell is, is a Gillingham legend. And fans, he had a huge well of goodwill to, behind him. And we were very erratic under him. So when we were bad, we were very, very bad. And we'd lose 3 0 when we got this. But when we were good, it was very entertaining and great fun. Last season, we were just solid. And it wasn't, it was effective. There were some entertaining games, but a lot of it was. It was solid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I get you. One for the pure, you know, if you're a hardcore Gillingham fan, you've got a hard-earned 1-0 win, good. But, you know, if you're a neutral, you go, oh, well, that was all right, I suppose. <laughs> um, uh, but this season, as I say, I haven't seen every game all the way through because, of, you know, you, you're not going to at the moment. But no. a lot of people who have have said, it's just the style of football is so old-fashioned and long ball and, it's turgid and, and boring to watch. Um, so the fans, you know, Evans has never had a, good, a well of goodwill because obviously he had previous when he was with Crawley and Rotherham and whoever else against Gillingham. I mean, before he came to Gillingham, he was our most hated ever opposition manager. So therefore, um, a lot of people like me were very anti him coming. However, you know, he's our manager. Therefore, you know, if he gets results, just keep quiet and enjoy the ride and he won't last forever, was my take on it. But a lot of the people are starting to grumble now and he hasn't got that goodwill that Lovell had, you know. So, yeah. I unravel quickly because assuming we lose to you, 
then that'll be like, you know, quite a few defeats on the trot. And we've got some quite hard fixtures on paper coming up in the next few weeks as well, like Lincoln and that. And you go, we could easily lose eight out of nine sort of thing. Yeah. And then... Could tumble quite easily in this division, can't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And you're saying there about the, the wheels coming off as well. And I think... Obviously, I've got a couple of friends who are Gillingham fans and I kind of understood just because I knew them and also because I knew Steve Evans, as many people do, I sort of knew what that appointment was going to be like even before I kind of knew the history of Steve Evans. And, and well, he's probably peed off every fan of every different club at some point, well, hasn't he? It started at Crawley, actually. We beat them on a New Year's... Um, it, it was, we beat them at Christmas 2-1 when they were top of the fourth division early. They do. And the Gillingham fans filled their way in and celebrate. And he said he, we'd celebrate like we'd won the World Cup. And that's what everyone knows was out of joint. And then at another time, he um, he accused, I'm not sure how, if you're, you won't be able to play this on your thing, but um, he accused uh, Andy Hessenthaler, he accused Andy Hessenthaler of being racist because he, he called him a fat Scottish something. Um, but the police then investigated and they looked, took one look at him and went, you are fat, you are Scottish, and everyone else in this room thinks agrees with the third <laughs> and told him off for wasting police time. So since then he has got absolute dog's abuse whenever he's come back, which we whichever team to Priestfield. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's um, people you have history with, isn't there? Ours was Casey Keller for a long, long time because he had a fight with Don Goodman in the, the early 90s and Casey Keller got it for about 15 years after that until he retired. That's the thing. Fans have memories. They have folk memories, and they are vengeful. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. One hundred percent. That's exactly football down with T. Um, with Steve Evans, it's like you said before. That goodwill wasn't there. It doesn't. It's not going to take much for it to turn. But it felt like he was from the outside looking in. A couple of people were going, oh, "Okay, yeah, he's actually surprised us." But has this indifference start had like a a 60-40 against him or even more effect? Well, I think he did a brilliant job winning over a lot of the doubters last season, just simply with the home results. Now, if you're an away fan, the away form wasn't as exciting and wasn't as good as under level the previous season, but the home form was so much better. And if you only go to the home games, you're going to be so much more pleased. And so a lot of the home-only fans were, were pretty pleased with the results. The people who go away were more... Yeah, sort of in not indifferent. They were they were split, and some yeah. going and don't like him, but I put up with him, and some saying, "Yeah, he's doing all right." And you know, he also did some good things in lockdown, in interacting with fans, and he did some good away from the club work. You know, to keep people's spirits up and phoning fans. And from someone I know who works at the club, apart from on match day, he's a decent bloke to deal with. And you know, um, so. He was winning people over in that sense, but it would only take a string of bad results for a lot of people, you know, to go, well, actually, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge fan sort of thing. Yeah, not enamoured by him at all. Um, one thing I did want to ask it before I sort of move into the game, I think everyone's feeling it at the minute, uh, the COVID situation. You want to avoid it because football is meant to be released from everything. And obviously that's the one thing sentiment around all our minds, but... It, it is existing because football is, you know, it is a business at the end of the day. Um, Sunderland, I think, personally, I could be wrong. I've never looked at the books, but I would assume Sunderland are going to be all right to continue as long as it doesn't go on too much longer. Gillingham, on the other hand, 
far less income, um, probably less money, I would assume. Um, is there a worry as a Gillingham fan that, you know, if this continues for another six months to a year, which who knows, could be some problems? Um, for what we're hearing behind the scenes, we're skinned. I mean, like literally everyone's furloughed apart from four non-playing people. So you've got um, the club secretary who, who's changed. They left. New ones come in from Crawley. The, the guy doing the media and two others. And literally everyone else has been fired or furloughed. There's no one even running the club shop. There's no one running the ticket office. No one's answering the phones. It's like Mary Celeste. Um, uh, so, I, you know, I, I think that if you were looking at the 24 teams in our division, we'd be in the bottom six most vulnerable. Not right at the bottom, not about to do a Macclesfield, but I'd say we're in the bottom, bottom quarter or bottom third of the division in terms of vulnerability. I would say. When it comes to that, because I, I mean, I'm, I know Sunderland aren't doing too grand in comparison to what I'm used to, but I, I would much rather, as it is being maybe a position of Sunderland than a lot of teams in the division. Is that quite a worry? Because obviously it's frustrating that we can't get the games. That bit's annoying as it is. But I mean, how long, how much longer could clubs like Gillingham survive this? Well, Scally's been very vocal in the newspapers, not ones I read, but he has been popping up in different newspapers saying that, you know, we can't, we won't last into the new year and the Football League needs help from the Premier League or from the authorities or the government or whatever. And it's true. I mean, obviously, we don't like, a lot of Gillingham fans don't like him and would want rid. But on that, you know, we are vulnerable and it's a genuine worry. I mean, we, we talk about with our mates, you know, what would we do if we have to do AFC Gillingham? And yeah. um, we, we talk about it in semi-serious terms. So, um Hope it doesn't come to that. And you'd hope that the football authorities and the Premier League and the government or whatever do not want a whole load of football clubs going bust because that 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 would be big news and, uh, you know, thousands of fans, but also just the communities involved and everything else. Um, but I, I put us in the vulnerable category, not in the super vulnerable like South End might be at the moment, but um, I put us in the vulnerable category. So, yeah, we're genuinely concerned. It does worry me sometimes. You're saying, you know, you would hope that the government would step in, but I feel like that, that's one area of the of the country I don't trust at all at the moment to do the right thing for football fans. I don't know how you no, feel about no. that. No. <laughs> I think they're going to start dishing out free bovril to children at the moment anyway. <laughs> no, but it would be a start, I guess, wouldn't it? But there you go. Um, go on to the game itself, because obviously, like I say, there, there is a game of football, and like you said, it does feel a bit... I don't want to use the word soulless because I, I do. I still sit and watch the games and I've watched all the streams that I, that I could so far, which I think is just about all in bar one. Um, but there is a there is a game, as much as it feels different. Um, you went unbeaten against us last year. In, it was four games. I was going to say three, but it was actually four. You're right. You beat us 2-0, uh, 1-0 twice, 2-2 two, yeah. two draw and a 1-1 a, a draw at the stadium light. And I think it was like... 8,000 people were there or something like that. We're only fun trying to get to Sunderland for a 12, an early kickoff at short oh, note. Yeah. In the FA Cup. It was engineering works. We had to get the train, the slow direct one from London that goes via Hartlepool. And um, it was the only train we could catch. And it meant stupidly early from Canterbury, but also getting into Sunderland quite late. So, and there was no wiggle room. If that was stuffed, we were stuffed. Um <sighs> So uh, we made it, and uh, I've got to say, Sunderland away, the two to 
two times last season and the season before, the friendliest welcome we have had in League One in years. I mean, maybe it's because we've come a long way and you think you're going to beat us, but we're, even after the games, Sunderland fans were fantastic to us. In the pubs, just chatting on the train, just walking down the street. Genuinely wonderful. I mean, seriously, we were talking about it like days after going, that was brilliant, wasn't it? Um, they were real credit. Where you know, you know, I know they probably uh, except Gillingham's um, centenary, 125th year shirts, black and white stripes. And um, I walked around Sunderland in the black and white striped shirt and got some very funny looks. And <laughs> they, they they would look at me puzzled, and then they'd see the sponsor on the front, and they'd burst out laughing or smiling and go, "Oh right, it's Gillingham, <laughs> not a very lunatic Newcastle fan." But uh, it, it got some giggles in the pub, and that was like, uh, yeah. And then they start chatting to us, you know. They go, "Yeah, you know, oh, what are you doing up here? Oh, Jill's, you know, blah blah blah." So, yeah, um, no, it's nice to hear that because we're. We're not the happiest of fans when it comes to the football over the past, well, decade probably. <laughs> but... No, I mean, there was there was plenty of grumbling at your own team in the FA Cup mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, well, a bit in the league. But um, yeah, so no, I get that. But um, actually towards ourselves, it was uh, it was the friendliest in League One at the moment, I would say. What, what do you make of, as a, a team, I suppose, or as a club, of our struggle to, to get out of League One? Because I'll be honest, I and this opinion changed, but I felt like we were going to go into this league, not walk it, but, you know, get out of it. And it's, it seems to be a real struggle for, for many reasons, which would take a long podcast, but from a neutral perspective, what, what do you make of Sunderland in league one? Um, well, Gilling, that league one is Gillingham's natural place in the grand scheme of things. So more often than not, that's the division we're in. Yeah. So over the last 40 years I've been, you know, 40 odd years I've been going to Gillingham, we've had big clubs come down and some have bounced straight back quickly and some have stumbled and had a couple of years. Some have carried on going down to the fourth division before they've come back up again, like Wolves and that. Um, the, the problem for Sunderland always is if you're the biggest club, you genuinely are a target and everyone wants... You are a, not quite a cup final, because it's not that big, because we played you more than once, but it's still... It's a big game, especially going to the Stadium of Light in terms of, you know, that's the biggest ground we'll play in... we played in for many years, you know. Um, yeah. And, and you get in decent crowds as well, you know, 29, 30,000 against us, and, you know, <laughs> that doesn't happen very often to us. So uh, that raises it. And the home game, you still got big names, so... Even, you know, the rain of men at Gillingham, you know, it's only tiny compared with your ground, but, you know, everyone's up for it. Yeah. So you've always got that issue, but also it does feel from an outsider's point of view that Sunderland's been an unhappy club for a couple, several years. From, from whether you've signed players who've only gone for the money to bad decisions behind the scenes to the fans being very quick to maybe get annoyed um, some clubs you associate with fans being more uh, angry at their own team than others. Um, yeah. And I would, you know, you think West Ham fans are very grumpy and they'll walk out at 3-0, you know. Other clubs don't. You do, and I would put you in the same bracket. I know if you've been struggling, if you're fed up for 10 years, that's I don't blame you, but you do get the feeling, oh, if we take the lead at Sunderland, they'll get on their players' backs. <clears> but... I mean, it's also, it is, I am surprised that you haven't got it together by now, though. Yeah. I thought you might have one year to bottom out, because a lot of teams come down for two years. 
first year because they're a mess to a, for a big club to have got relegated into League One. They're usually a, a, a proper mess. Oh yeah. So sometimes it takes a year to bottom out, and they might make the playoffs or you know steady the steady themselves and then go up the year after. That's quite common. Um, so I'm surprised that you know you didn't make a better fist of it last season. Still, so many draws. I mean, spectacular number of draws at home to teams that you should, you know, on paper beat, but you know it's on grass. Yeah. Um, but uh, that, but I, I must say, look, I went to the uh, I, I went to Wembley and saw you in the Checker Trade Trophy final. Oh, good day to be my fair. Mate, my mates at Sunderland, uh, one of my mates, a Sunderland fan, got me a ticket, and I was in behind the goal. And um, it did feel, uh, I was surrounded by all these Sunderland fans who, who just wanted to enjoy the day. Yeah. And when we scored the second goal, it was proper bedlam. And I thought, these are proper fans. Look, you, what you've been through the last few years, right, in the last two or three years of relegations and just a bit of a shambles, that moment of absolute bedlam, the second goal winning at your end, I mean... There were grown men around me just like absolutely going, you know, older Sunderland fans who would have been there in 73, just going wibble. And I thought, well, they're proper fans. Eventually you'll get out of this because you've got a whole seat. You've got 40,000 fans who feel like that. So. Yeah. No, it's not. I, I, I remember, I remember I was right behind the goal when that goal went in. Yeah, we, it was, it was bedlam. It was a, it was a release because in, in reality, I don't think anyone cared about that competition until we got to the semi-final and went, hang on a minute, this is a nice day out. But obviously if you've, got friends with Sunderland fans you've played against us an awful lot you've been to one of our I was going to say most successful games but we still got beaten that but um <laughs> is there any players that you look at for Saturday's game and think yeah I don't really want to face him um well um obviously Maguire's done well for you um but Wyke has has, has done well against us for other teams as well and he's um, so he um I think he scored a hat trick against Carlisle against us. Anyway, he's done, he's scored against us before. But generally, looking at your team, it's solid rather than scary. I would say if mm-hmm. you look at the, you know, I mean, I think that partly explains why you draw a lot of games. Um, that you're a, you're a decent unit and you're effective, but you know, you look at other teams and you think, oh, there's three or four really deadly attacking players that could shred us. Um, but it's it more thing that, oh, they'll be solid against us. They'll have too much for us. They'll be clever and they'll beat us 2-0 is my sort of prediction for Saturday. Rather than, I don't know, what year was it in the championship? You came down and um, you beat us 4-0 at Priestfield and absolutely shredded us. And um, um, Marcus was on the Stewart. For you? Marcus Stewart, Hugh Arger. Yeah. It was Arger and McCartney on the left-hand side, I think. And we're it was Marcus a... As well, you had as a winger. Yeah, who who are you? Oh, Stuart Downing. Yeah, yeah, Downing took us apart. I mean, I've seen him play for England. I couldn't believe it, but against Gillingham, he absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, he was on loan at us before he became Mick McCarthy sort of era. Yes, so you are absolutely right with that. The season before, I think it was that before the Marcus Stewart game. I think it was. Um, Talking of Sun and Gillingham games. Probably one of the <laughs> bad ones, slightly before my time, ever so slightly, just by a couple of years. But what are your main memories of Gillingham Sunland games? Well, obviously, I went to the games in eight, six, seven. Yeah. And so, um, bear in mind that at the time we we were trying, we'd spent hundred, well, eighty years trying to get into the what is the old second division. 
this is the you know biggest biggest chance in our lifetime. And then we get into the playoffs on the last day, having been in the top three most of the season, blown up. And then on the last day, Bristol City um, missed a penalty against Swindon, and we beat Bolton to relegate them. And we stumbled into the playoffs by accident. And a few days later, we're suddenly playing Sunderland. And then we go, oh, my God, this is crazy. And um, the, the game at Priestfield was mad. I mean, the Cascarino hat-trick has gone down in Gillingham folklore. And um, But you pulled it, you know, it was 3-2. And I, 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 I jokingly was walking out the ground, you know, talking about away goals. You know, well, you know, when you'd made it, got your second goal, I went, well, that sort of screwed that hope, you know. Yeah. And um, went by coach up to Sunderland. <laughs> It took a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember being parked in a coach like near the seafront before they drove us into near the ground. And I remember like lots of people waving at the coaches who were some Newcastle fans. And then obviously when we got near Sunderland, it was less friendly. But when we got to the ground, there were about 1,500 Gillingham fans there were there physically. But there were about 1,000 Newcastle fans Yeah. Um, at least. And that's just in the away end. They opened another pen for Newcastle fans in front of the away seats as well. I mean, when we scored one of the goals, we were just getting hugged by lunatic Newcastle fans. I mean, it was absolute bedlam. Uh, we just, it, 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 I mean, it was missed penalties and, you know, last minute goals. And when Bennett scored, that was the loudest roar I'd ever heard at a Gillingham away game at the time. Um, and we thought we'd blown it then, but obviously we then went scored in extra time and then you needed two and, and we held on. Um, so if you ask anyone of my mates who were, you know, 18 at the time or whatever, that, that's my most memorable game in my life watching Gillingham. So, yeah. And it's exhausting. So we still talk about it now with huge, great grins on our faces. It's um, so. funny that you mentioned the, the Newcastle <laughs> thing because that's been denied once or twice from Newcastle fans that that didn't happen, but it definitely did. That's loads. <laughs> Definitely did happen. Um, you sort of touched on it finally, but I'll, I'll ask you and to make sure I heard it right, you put it this way. Um, or I'll ask it in a different way. That's what I'll do. Okay. Score predictions and, and how you feel the game's going to go on on Saturday. Well, if it's like our recent games, you'll win 2-0. We'll be average. You'll be a bit better. In the lead and never look like giving it away and then finish this off late on. Um, if we score first, it might be different. Confidence might change. But a lot of our games, we have had the ball 30% of the time and the other team's been all over us. So we're sporadic. Um, so, yeah, you know, Graham could hit, hit a goal someone else or maybe from a set piece. Ogilvy usually likes playing against you. Um, yes. Our ginger ginger. I remember that uh, last year because I was there last yeah, year. Yeah. Five in the morning, he ruined my day <laughs> that day. But that was, a, it was character building. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so... I mean, you know, you never know with Sunderland, like you. you uh, but I, I'm expecting you to beat us like two 0 without getting into setting out of setting gear. Would be my prediction. I'll take it, but I'm scarred by Gillingham last year, so my prediction is <laughs> going to be one 0 Gillingham because I'm really, really <laughs> scarred by it all. And and confidence from Sunderland fans sap within four days, as anyone who listens <laughs> to last week's podcast compared to the intro to this one's will know. But um, Eddie, thanks so much for joining me, mate. Always good to have a bit of a chat. Sadly, we can't be at the game to have a pint. We can't do anything because the apocalypse has happened. But I really appreciate being on, Eddie. Thanks very much, mate.